what you do, and what you do really well, is style, right? flash. I think it needs a, a, a different touch. Yeah? <laughs> this is the Extra Hot Great Podcast, episode 245 for the week of April 8th, 2019. Ich bin sexy German translator David T. Cole, and I'm here with <laughs> the one with the hats, Sarah D. Bunting. It's showtime, folks. Jazz handler, Tara Ariano. These are gold. And troubled cabaret singer, Adam Grossworth. I actually love sitting alone in my room. <laughs> On to today's topic and today's guest, Adam Grossworth. Hello, Adam. Adam. Oh, uh, hi. Uh, I, was... <laughs> <laughs> I don't need it. I'm just so used to listening. There we Sorry. go. Thank you. Uh, I don't need it. <laughs> I like that my new niche on the podcast is uh, nonfiction books I've read that have been turned into TV shows. Yeah, so let's talk have, about I have it. read two nonfiction books, so we're done, but you know. <laughs> All right, so new on FX this week, Fosse Verdon, originally just Fosse after the biography that it's based on, but as as the development process went on, apparently the creators realized it, it would not be... Uh, it would not be the whole story if it only focused on him. So hence we have Fosse Verdon. Um, but some critics have said, based on the historical record, this is too sunny a, a portrayal of Bob Fosse. And Adam, you read the book, but are also just generally a Broadway knowledgeable person. What are your thoughts about the premiere? Well, I'm because I think because I have read the book and we get sort it. Of know this story. <laughs> but but I I sort of disagree with that take that there's not enough burden. I mean, for me, I was really happy um, to be getting more for side of the story. And um, we'll talk more about the cast later. But I, I was really nervous about this casting. And I think Michelle Williams is great in this. Mm-hmm. Um, and from what I understand, we'll get to see more of her and more of that side of the story in future episodes. None of that changes the fact that Bob Fosse was a very talented and very terrible person. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, some of that, you know, Linda Holmes had a review out today where she was really reacting to that. And I think that's really valid and fair. Um, but I, I like what they've added from, you know, the, the much more often told story of Fosse by, by pulling her into it more. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really curious what you all thought of it, especially, um, known musical hater, Sarah, um, <laughs> you know, if you didn't know this story, there's especially in the, in the. Like first half of the premiere, there's a bunch of stuff that that isn't really explained. And I'm wondering if that was clear to you, if you found this good entry point. Um, well, all that jazz is actually one of my favorite movies. Um, Correctly. I think it's amazing. Um, I w- Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm a complicated person. Um, so going into that, having seen that several times and thinking the world of him as a director um and being sort of fascinated by his way of making a narrative but also knowing how close to life all that jazz is and understanding that as a human being he was a great choreographer and director <laughs> i was not as put off um as some reviewers seem to be by um by this like imbalance, this power imbalance 
between them because that, I mean, uh, like, I don't like it, but that was, that was life. Um, I, I think the casting is excellent. Um, there's always that little hint of like lispy Jen Lindley in any Michelle Williams <laughs> performance that makes it all like I get 98% of the way to taking her seriously as a great thespian. Um, and then it's like, oh, there's, there's Jen <laughs> walking like a truck across Gramps's front lawn. Like, I'm not, not sure this is going to work for me, but I think she's great here. I'm not sure that casting Sam Rockwell is like, I love him, but I'm not sure that's the way to go. If you want um, us to not be more sympathetic with this Bob Fosse, because he's Sam Rockwell and very charismatic, even with that fake comb over <laughs> bit, like very hot. Uh, and this is really well designed as a production. Um, it feels very like chewily seventies. I was sort of shopping their entire apartment mm-hmm. um, in the premiere. Uh, but I, I enjoyed this because it was processy. So, and, and because based on seeing all that jazz a few times, this did feel, I don't know, accurate, <laughs> correct, recognizable. Uh, you wouldn't think that this is something that I would like, but all that jazz is also kind of processy, and maybe that's why I relate to it. But I'm also that like star eighty truther who's like, no, it's really fucked up, but it's a good movie. So, <laughs> well, Adam, I know you have issues with Sam Rockwell. Yeah, I'm fascinated that by your description of Sam Rockwell, Sarah, because I think he's kind of gross. But I think that also works, right? Like, I mean, by all accounts, Fosse was incredibly charismatic and sexy. And like, that's part of how he got away with a lot of his behavior. I mean, not, I don't want to be like, oh, they wanted it, but like a lot of people did want it. And yeah, that's gross because he was their boss and I don't want to diminish yes. that. And I don't think the show diminishes that either. Um, but like that, that two sides of Sam Rockwell, I think work really well. I keep thinking about, and you all have talked about this about like period shows. I kept thinking about how bad he must have smelled. Because yeah. he's constantly smoking. He must and smell sweating. like dancer feet and sweating and doing yeah. poppers and like, <laughs> but like everybody wanted to bang him. So I think, you know, they're getting at something there in that casting and in, in that portrayal, which again, totally valid. I think it's gross, but it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm sympathetic to the, to the discussion around like, how do you tell a story of a great man who's also a shitbag? you know? Yeah. yeah. Like, because that's so often case, you know, it, with a person's real biography, like, and I, what I think is interesting about the structure of this, cause it jumps, it jumps forward and back in time. And there's, there's a lot of like, you know, fa- flashbacks will play out like pra- in on a practical set in front of the current day, you know, quote unquote characters. Um, and so we see a lot of in the first episode, like the early days of Bob and how he was coming up as a dancer and, you know, this instructor who was clearly abusive in a variety of ways and stuff. And it seems like part of the story of this is like you pay your dues eating shit so that you can be the person that makes other people eat shit. And, you know, like like Adam said, it's not nice. It's not a nice story to tell, but like that's that's a that feels like a true story to me. I think I'm also I'm also a little more sympathetic because they were real people and they were both geniuses and we know that it's not you know I I I am tired of the you know the great asshole trope. Mm-hmm. Um 
but it, it is a real thing. And because this isn't, I'm not being asked to accept a character that somebody made up, right? Yeah. These are, these are actual people whose actual work we can watch. Um, and the fact that they were complicated is part of that. Um, I mean, I hope, I hope it gets into like their marriage is fascinating, right? They, mm -hmm. they sort of had an open marriage. Um, though, you know, it's unclear how, how much Gwen was actually into that, but they right. never divorced even after they separated. Um, Gwen and, and ranking were, as far as I understand it, really good friends mm -hmm. until Gwen died. And like, the keepers of his work after he died. So, I mean, it's, there's a potential for it to be a really interesting, complicated story yeah. about these women and how they dealt with, with him and how they and how they felt about him. Well, you know, whether, whether we're judging that or not. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I, I was also interested in the portrayal of like when she has to fly, literally fly into the cabaret set and like perform this sort of soft power on his behalf that that felt recognizable to yeah. me that like he's really prickly and she has to be the person who's like the bob whisperer like no one says that because that wasn't a phrase then but like that it, it seems clear that was part of it in addition to like her artistic contributions so much of it was like emotional labor basically of like smoothing over his relationships with other other people because he sucked so much in that regard and was like just so single-minded in his vision I, I thought that was well portrayed and that that the spirit that that Williams brings to it in portraying it was like she doesn't she doesn't it, it we do, we don't get the sense or I didn't that she resents this part of like her job as, you know, his wife, basically, because she doesn't have a professional title on this production, um, but that it's just it's such second nature to her and she's so good at it. And so when when Sai like afterwards praises her like you should have been here this whole time, it seems clear that she should have been. Or are other career things going on on her side? Anyway, I, I liked I liked the way that played out in the at least in the. I'm just going to come right out and say it. Do you think this show has enough razzmatazz? <laughs> <laughs> well, you, I mean, no, actually, I don't know if you're joking or not, but no, like the there's this not quite the opening sequence. Um, is, uh, <laughs> you okay? Oh no. no. <laughs> Dave wrote one note and it was that in Sharpie <laughs> on a piece of bristle board. <clears throat> I'll just keep talking about Sweet Charity because I enjoy talking about yes. Sweet Charity. The, um, yes. There's a sequence where he's um, there, he's directing Big Spender from Sweet Charity. And it's sort of brilliantly made that like, because it's a song I feel like you probably everybody knows, even if you've never actually seen a musical. Mm -hmm. um, and it's like a montage of them sort of getting it wrong. And so the song keeps vamping and never quite starts and then it finally <laughs> yeah. happens. And it like, it just felt so satisfying to me, except then we only get to see like 10 seconds of it. And I literally paused the show and went on YouTube and watched the whole number because <laughs> I wanted, yeah. cause I wanted more. And cause like it is, you know, it's a great number. And like, I got this little taste of it. Um, and then later in the episode, they do the same thing with, um, with mine hair, not the same thing, but we see a little bit of mine hair mm -hmm. from cabaret, which is like maybe my favorite thing he ever did. And like, I did it again. I stopped and I was like, oh, you're doing an okay Liza Minnelli impression, but you're not Liza Minnelli. And this yeah. isn't the number. And I, I need to watch that now, um, which is a nice thing about like having this exist in 2019 is that you can see so much of this work just going yeah. on YouTube. Uh, the other thing that was wrong with this show is you can't put a slash in your title without having something to do with face off in this day and age. <laughs> like 
Fosse and Verdun should have like switched faces or something and then like did each other's jobs for a couple days or something like that. Well, Dave, I don't I don't want to I don't want to keep talking about the book, but they they did uh, in like 1982. They actually did switch faces. Nice. All right. Cool. <laughs> yeah. But on a very serious note, uh, how much did I enjoy mm. that? Everything in every time period looked the same except for Bob Fosse's hair. Hair yeah. as time switching <laughs> indicator was extremely funny to me. I liked how they indicate them. Like there's different ways of, of counting down where we are. Like those chirons are really glorious. I thought yeah. like the Washington mm-hmm. DC eight minutes left uh-huh. was like brisk baby, but yeah. um, very, Spoiler, he does. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, that's very, all that jazz also I thought, which was a good thing. Well, I, I really liked it. I mean, I, I definitely understand all the knocks on it, but I can't I can't resist a show that has this many musical numbers that are so beautifully performed. I mean, I'm not an expert like Adam, but it's it definitely held my interest. So I will keep watching. Yeah. And they've cast. I mean, there was like constant casting announcements when it was happening, like just mm-hmm. tons of like up and coming young Broadway people um, to play, you know, these now legendary Broadway people. And I'm, I'm very interested to see all of those performances. Um, Laura Osnes, who is like a fairly big Broadway star that no one else has heard of is um, plays Shirley MacLaine. And she has a line in the first episode. <laughs> wow. I'm like, did you cut something? Is she coming back? Like, it's just full of people like that. And like New York actors. So that'll be fun to watch. Yeah. I thought it was funny when um, we find out that Liza Minnelli has been cast and Gwen's face just falls. Like, can she act? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> she, does, she does a very funny take on that news. Yeah, yeah. I had no idea Michelle Williams was so good at shade. I guess that's also a little mm-hmm. bit Jen Lindley, but like she has so many good, just like silent reactions in the background of things. That yeah. moxie, curly red hair wig she's wearing really makes her, for some reason, look like Diane uh, Weiss. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. If her mother's still around, this story that's who you should cast for that because <laughs> dang. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a little concerned that Anne Reinking is played by um, Andy McDowell Jr., but... That's in my notes. I'm concerned about that, too. (laughs) Yeah, well, but if I recall correctly, Anne Reinking was not the best actor. She's not, but she is so charismatic. I mean, her eyes alone, and then her legs, and I I don't Mm. quite... I mean, it's the same problem with Liza. Like, that's a very good performance, but, like, that's not Liza Minnelli. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that I thought that actor was wise to not go too deep into the like Sardi's caricature mm. mode of portraying yeah. her because it's Liza. Like, there's you're just up against it. Like, yeah, put the wig on and occasionally do your best, and you know, I I don't think you should push too hard. Like Michelle Williams is doing a voice, but she's not really doing Gwen Verdon's voice, which I think no. is smart. like she's yeah. she's suggesting Gwen Verdon's voice. Yeah, but I feel like it, people have an easier time if they're playing like Neil Simon because no one really knows what they were like, you know. Right. So like we have footage of them the way like the, whoever gets cast to play Liza Minnelli has a very hard time to not make it seem like an SNL spoof, you know, because she's she has such big mannerisms and we all know what they are, you know. <laughs> it's a challenge for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Around the dial, Tara, start us off. Well, speaking of Razzmatazz, Killing Eve is back. Um, I somehow had missed in the run-up to this that I I knew it was getting a new showrunner, but I didn't realize it was Emerald Fennell from Call the Midwife, Gay Patsy, who hasn't been on in a couple of seasons and, you know, 
I mean, I guess I can't say this is why, because she's obviously only been writing it for the past year or so. But yeah, hey, good for Pats. Um, they, uh, the, we watched the first, only one has aired. We watched the first two episodes that we got screeners for. Um, what is fascinating to me is how much of Villanelle's power is is drained from her when she has to wear very dumb clothes. <laughs> She's on the run as we where we left her at this in the season one finale. She had just been stabbed by Eve. And so now she's like trying to get out of her apartment ahead of like the, you know, the 12s cleaners, basically. And Eve is also trying to escape without getting arrested for stabbing someone that she doesn't know is dead or alive. Uh, So Eve is really or Villanelle is um, surviving by her wits, which involves stealing pajamas from a kid in the hospital and. And telling him he's really good at stealing, he should do it more. And uh, and Eve, meanwhile, is, you know, confused and having wild mood swings, which is understandable when you don't know if you've killed someone, I guess. And making dinner, but forgetting to put the chicken in the oven and really just prepping a full mound of, like, potatoes and carrots that she hasn't even cooked. Anyway, the first two episodes I thought were a little bit slow. This seems like it might be you know, spoon feeding for people that like heard it was good, but didn't care to check out the whole first season and want to just jump in here. And I feel like if you wanted to do that, it's probably fine. Like there's stuff you would miss and season one is really good. So you should watch it. But, you know, time is short. We only have so much. And if you just want to start with this, I I think that would be OK. Anyone else watch it? I don't know if that it was that slow. I, I kind of enjoyed okay. the I really enjoyed the trying to figure out how to escape from the hospital first episode mm-hmm. um, that you had Villanelle throughout season one, who was just like this master assassin that got into the Italian villa in and out, you know, unseen. And now like she is in this dank hospital and she has a lot of trouble escaping from her room. And mm-hmm. yeah, you yeah. know, her accomplice now is this 12 year old boy who was in a car accident in the bed next to her. I really enjoyed that. It doesn't have any action set pieces like season one, but yeah. I, I felt a lot was still going on. And I really enjoyed that part of it. The hospital part of it, I thought was was great. I did not find it lacking. I thought season two or episode two picked up and I won't give a lot of details because it hasn't aired yet. But um, it it has a couple of strong reminders that men are terrible. You should never trust them. Um, of course, I don't mean gay men. Gay men are fine. We learned that from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. But um, yeah, it's still a great show. There's it's it's always more interesting when you see like a, a character who's seemed, you know, sort of. Who's definitely been portrayed as like masterful and, and strong, like Dave said, and have her kind of up against it and try and have have to puzzle her way out. That's that's more compelling than when someone just is seems indestructible. Um, so, yeah, still a great show. And now, uh, if you never figured out where BBC America is on your cable <laughs> guide, it's also si- being simulcast this season on AMC. So it's you have twice as many chances to catch it and watch it. And you should. And for my plug, I'll just mention again on again with this, uh, our podcast, our sister podcast, mostly about Beverly Hills 90210, but now also about Melrose Place, which it shall be uh, in our next episode dropping on April 15th. <laughs> Uh, some really ridiculous stuff happens in the first, in the second episode. Kelly is still around. I did not remember any of this, but 
the the amount of wheel spinning they get to with Billy so fast is oh, really God. a testament to how bad Andrew Shue is at acting like a person <laughs> to the point where like he's kind of my favorite now because he's so bad. He's terrible. He's not even good at standing. No, or having he's not. a shirt on. No, but I'm not complaining about that. So yeah, again with this, find it where uh, podcasts are. Adam. Quickly, just uh, your last couple weeks of winners and losers, uh, you're talking about uh, SVU and Supernatural, and I just want to give a shout out to Grey's Anatomy, which is in season 17, Wow, I think. It's pretty cool. So <laughs> maybe 16. It's, uh, it is catching up to, uh, to SVU and uh, is now guaranteed to outlive Supernatural, and it's having a really good season, so I recommend it. But my main thing to talk about is the Crazy Ex-Girlfriend finale. Yeah. which aired on Friday, followed by a concert special, which was really cute. Um, and I covered the show for a couple seasons on previously. Um, I was not the biggest fan of this season um, overall. It felt a little wheel spinny. Um, yep. I I think they made the right choice in wanting to bring Greg back, but they couldn't get Santino Fontana. So they recast him and like they did the best they could, but it was weird. The songs were I thought not that great, but I still like, I love the show. I enjoyed, I enjoyed the show despite all of that. Um, and then in the finale, um, I guess I'm going to spoil it. So if you're waiting to watch it. Crazy as girlfriend spoilers, a whole finale. Thank you. Uh, in the finale, it's revealed that, um, the songs we've been hearing for four seasons are all in Rebecca's head, which doesn't really make any sense. Cause Sometimes people have songs without her, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> and that what the show has been building towards is not her winding up with one of these men, but, you know, sort of finding herself and finding her true passion and calling, uh, which is songwriting, which, you know, OK, that's a good career move. But um, but it was really it was really sweet. And then it it ends with her sort of saying, you know, this is my song and then we don't hear it. Um, that's just the end. And so it was like this weird anticlimactic moment that was actually perfect i thought um there's a line romantic love is not an ending which has sort of always been an issue that the show has been dealing with of you know what happens after the romantic comedy ending like your life still goes on and that happened in the show like three times because you know something happened every season um so yeah i thought it was really lovely and you're see you're still seeing the uh the show, right? The concert is coming. Uh, yeah, they're doing they're doing a small tour. They're playing Radio City Music Hall uh, here in New York in uh, mid May, and uh, Joe Reed and I going with a couple other friends. And uh, I have no idea what that's going to be like. Hopefully, longer than the televised version because yeah, it was not, it was not cheap. Right. But I I mean, what was moving to me about seeing the concert, especially after the finale, which I thought it, it was anticlimactic, but I I would have maybe wanted a little more, even if it wasn't. I mean, at, at the very least, I would have wanted to hear what the song is. But I mean, I understand that choice. But what was uh, more moving to me about seeing the concert right afterwards is like all of the people in their various crazy ex-girlfriend cosplays. And like this is a show that for four seasons has had really over the top musical numbers. And so there were a lot of choices you could yeah. go with for your costumes. Like there really was a variety. And it was clear from these from the crowd, like how how meaningful the show has been to so many people, like obviously not much watched, um, but very, very beloved. So I hope you have that experience at the concert. Yeah. It seemed and like it was a really fun time. 
I, I and I hope this. that this finale was not like the cop rock finale where they basically <laughs> just like wandered onto another part of the set and we're all nodding and smiling at each other. Like, look at this wonderful thing we made that got canceled. So we're just singing to each other about it now. Yeah, no, it was not. No, I mean, they were, like, so little, glad. they were dropping little meta hints throughout the season, um, but it was still very much in the world of the show. Mm-hmm. What I loved about the concert special is that they all, I mean, I realize they're all actors and they could be pretending, but they all seem to genuinely be the best friends yep. and the biggest dorks. Yep. And, you know, mostly what I want from seeing it live is, you know, more white Josh, because I always want yeah. more white Josh. Now, crazy gag girlfriend finale of Suppose We're Out of Clothes. That whole thing with the black hole killing everybody was very surprising. <laughs> Great song, though. <laughs> and what do you have to plug there? Uh, uh, well, since we're talking about theater a lot, um, if you're in the New York area, um, I help to run a small, strange theater company called The Upstart Creatures. We don't do musicals, um, but we do also don't charge admission. So uh, we and we also make food and do plays. It's super weird. Um, check us out at upstartcreatures.com. Um, we would love it if you gave us some money. But also we have an event coming up in June and uh, you can come to it without giving us money. And my actual job is also at a nonprofit, and it's the National Alliance for Musical Theater. And we help promote and support theater companies all over the country. And you can also give us money and <laughs> you can see a list of our members um, and find one near you and go see a musical. Serenity Bunting. Unforgotten is back on um, Masterpiece on PBS. Uh, this aired in the UK last year, um, last summer. Um, this is the basically british cold case um and like in every series the way they split it up for us tv is really weird like they sort of mush some series together and then as british procedural sometimes are like um each episode or like sub series is like it aired originally as like a two hour or 90 minute block but masterpiece will split it up over two weeks um but I mean, that's like, that's not bothersome. It can just be a little tricky in terms of like where you are in the season. And did I see this one already? Uh, but this is, I think, series three for everyone. Um, it just started back up last Sunday and it should be airing again if you want to grab it on your DVR. As usual, a full compliment um, of British, hey, it's that guys. Or as they say across the pond, cheerio, it's that fellows. Um, including Neil Morrissey, uh, Kevin McNally, who was in Turn, um, uh, the colonial spy show that I bemoaned constantly on Previously.TV, but not him because he played the main characters like Grouchy Dad and his uh, American accent was flawless, Um, even though it's set in colonial times and he could have just had his own accent English, yeah he, he made a choice and it worked out i guess um and also alex jennings who uh you may remember from season one of the crown um uh, as playing um mr wallace windsor uh and many other things you you'll recognize him immediately this show is not um it, it's sort of like right in the middle of the pack of these sorts of British procedurals. It's not as good as happy Valley. It's not as slow as um, river. Uh, It's a bit self-regarding. The lead cop takes her um, like morning meetings very seriously and is like very live Benson and how somberly she relates the facts of these cold cases to her team. 
um, it, it can be a bit laborious. Like um, you're definitely shown this like criminal intent e pastiche of various people. And then you're just trying to puzzle out how they all fit together. It can be a bit laborious, but um, actual cold case, the show uh, was like this too. Um, it was like a little bit slow and a little bit self-regarding and also extremely um, comforting and predictable. And um, justice was always done. And uh, the, the forensic science was always sort of the best part, like the um, forensic anthropologists was always the best part. So, and then, you know, Alan Cumming sort of comes in before the episode <laughs> on Masterpiece and um, introduces it very seriously. And um, yeah, it's just, in, if you like this sort of thing and you're like, oh yes, that was the, um, you know, 28th. British procedural that I was looking forward to uh, <laughs> returning. It has returned. Um, and sneak peek <laughs> next week, your um, semi-annual Bosch update oh. will be occurring because it's coming back. So you can look forward to that. For my plug, um, I'm appearing on the Crime Writers on Patreon only podcast, Toby Ball's Balls Deep Dive, which is just <laughs> the best podcast name ever. So we can all quit. Uh, I will be talking about one of my pet uh, true crime stalking horses, Fatal Vision. Uh, spoiler, I do not not think Jeffrey McDonald killed his family. Um, but that's a very entertaining listen, also featuring Alex Segura and the producer of the 30 for 30 Bikram podcast, Julia Lowry Henderson. Uh, that should be available soon. And once again, that's on the Crime Writers on Patreon page. I am here to talk about the Cinemax show Warrior. Apparently, I've read a little history of it. So in the credits, they say, based on the writings of Bruce Lee. So I looked it up. Bruce Lee, once upon a time, wrote this idea for, um, you know, somebody coming over to San Francisco from China in the 1800s and, you know, getting into Chinatown shenanigans. Apparently, they pitched this to Warner Brothers in the 70s, and the Bruce Lee estate contends that Warner Brothers turned that into Kung Fu without paying him. Oh, yeah, I've, I've heard that allegation. Oh, that was something we had at the same time as you. So I don't know if they ever that ever went to court, but that's the backstory. So this is the Bruce Lee-esque version of it umpteen years later. It is pretty fun. I, I guess Tara was saying that Cinemax has a Friday night tradition of kind of a schlocky, action-y type of show. Yeah, the predecessor of this was Banshee, which is from the same creators as this. This really does sort of like hit the spot. It's no Deadwood. It's not really trying to be. It's no. a delightfully violent, non-taxing story about cops and robbers in Chinatown in San Francisco and some politics surrounding that. It stars um, a recent immigrant from China. His name is Assam, and he gets you know, embroiled in, in the, the gangs in Chinatown and he's trying to find his sister and blah, blah, blah backstory. But what you need to know is it's choreographed. Well, the yeah. violence is, is very satisfying. Yep. Um, it starts out out of the gate in the cold open of the first episode with a great brawl between him and an immigration officer. You know, the big Irish lunk kind of guy, <laughs> as I said, no Deadwood does the job, but here's my recommendation. 
There is a fantastic episode halfway through the first season. It'll be episode five. So five weeks in, there's an episode called The Blood and the Shit. It's a total bottle episode where two characters that are usually in San Francisco are doing a road trip errand. And then shit happens. And it is super fun. And you could watch that and then go back to the beginning. So if you're listening mm-hmm. to this later and you're thinking, yeah, maybe I'll check out that show. I don't know if it's for me. Uh, there's no reason why you couldn't go to this bottle episode number five, scan back to number one and watch it that way if you wanted. Um, it was really fun hour of television. The series as a whole is well-crafted, extremely catchy theme song and great credits. I have to say, I wasn't expecting that. Um, there are kind of sophomore efforts here and there. There's, um, I don't want to be too spoilery, but there is a assassination attempt involving fused dynamite. And they pair that with like this couple somewhere else in the city having sex. And of course, you know, yeah. uh, oh, it's a little oh, come on guys. You're like, you're better than that. Everybody <laughs> should be better than that. It's 2019, but I enjoyed it. Tara, you were enjoying the, the violence and uh, whatnot. Were you not? I did enjoy the violence. I I want to also say I believe this was a past. Will Dave hate this? So now we have our answer. Dave did not oh, hate yeah. this. Um, Sarah, for you, I will let you know that um, Dustin Nguyen from Twenty One Jump Street has a role Yay! in this. He's it's it's not a big role. It's not like a major character, but he he shows up about halfway through. He's from one of like he's from another Tong, not one of the main two that are that are battling, but he forms an alliance. Blah blah blah. Anyway. He still looks super hot. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the, the lead guy, Assam, is played by Andy Koji, who is British Japanese, um, has a very good American accent. And, and one of the, the planks of his story is that he, um, he learned Chinese from his, or sorry, he learned English from his American grandfather. And so people, don't always know that he understands what they're saying. So it's like a little bit different every time when people are like, wait a minute, you speak English, but it's always kind of amusing. Um, he's really good. He has a love interest. They have no chemistry. She is very bad. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, but, but Dave is right. The, uh, the, the episode five is super duper fun. It's a, it's a real departure. Um, I, have seen action movies where my sense of geography of like what was going on was much worse than here. And I assume that's because, you know, in movies, the big name stars are being doubled by, you know, stunt performers. So you can't ever see their face. There has to be a lot of like frantic editing and cutting and stuff. Mm -hmm. These scenes are really, really well edited and well, as Dave said, well choreographed um, and extremely satisfying to watch. And, I had no expectations of it going in. We we got screeners of for the first eight episodes of nine for season one, and we like raced through all of them this weekend. So, yeah, if you get Cinemax, and you probably do if you get HBO, you should check it out Friday nights at 10 Eastern and also on the Max Go app, which for reasons I do not understand is not an app that you can get for your Roku or Apple TV or whatever. You just have to watch it online. Stupid HBO. Just add the stuff to the HBO Go app. Duh. AMC Network's Sundance Now is a premium streaming video service offering a rich selection of prestige dramas, heart-stopping thrillers, and gripping true crime series from around the world. Sundance Now believes that life is more enriching when experienced through perspectives that differ from our own. Why is Sundance Now so awesome? 
Sundance Now's catalog includes award-winning original content, international exclusives, and hard-to-find properties at a fair price. You get premium content and no commercials for as low as $4.99 a month with an annual membership. And you can enjoy it anywhere. Sundance Now works on all your favorite devices. Download the app or watch online on Apple and Android devices, Amazon Fire TV, Google Chromecast, Roku, and more. My favorite aspect of Sundance Now is their documentary library. Pop culture investigations like The Cult of J.T. Leroy, The Pussy Riot Doc, and that must-see for Project Runway fans, Bill Cunningham, New York. But the catalog is impressively deep on the true crime front, too. There are lots of films I've covered for my true crime newsletter, but just as many I haven't had a chance to watch yet, and I had to force myself not to start Valentine Road instead of recording this ad, so... Let's get to that promo code so that I can get back to the film, and you can join me free for 30 days. Start streaming your next obsession. To try Sundance Now free for 30 days, go to SundanceNow.com and use promo code EHG. That's S-U-N-D-A-N-C-E-N-O-W.com and use promo code EHG for 30 days of free streaming. Thanks, Sundance Now! That music usually means it's time for the canon, but uh, here's the deal. The audio for today's user canon was no longer available when I went to retrieve it. It was shared to me sometime in the past on Google Drive. I usually assemble all these canons uh, the day of recording. So it went poof when we didn't have enough time to actually do a canon. So the good news is it wasn't a particularly great episode of TV, uh, so it probably <laughs> wasn't going to get in anyways. Uh, the bad news, of course, no canon. The good news is this is all free. The bad news is it contains <laughs> potassium benzoate. Um, the other good news to make up for this, double game time today. So Woo! here we go. Moving on. Americans love a winner. Yup. And will not tolerate a loser. Nope. It's time for a winner and a loser of the week. Sarah has a winner. Um, our winner is drunks, uh, drunk history producers <laughs> mulling over a movie. Uh, I spent a few minutes wool gathering about what exactly that would look like. Um, and I, I'm just not sure, but I don't care. I will watch the hell out of it. Huh. Yeah, I can imagine something where it's like a long story and you just have different people telling different segments of it. You know, yeah, oh, yeah. like the story it. of America or something, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably just a megasode, but I'm completely comfortable with that. Totally. Huh. All right. Loser of the week. Uh, CBS, not for the usual reasons of covering up <laughs> I mean, brutal sexual two. harassment for a change. Uh, this time it is because um, Juliana Margulies was at an event this weekend and was asked about, you know, going on the good fight. And she just straight up said, I was ready to do it. Uh, they had a three episode arc planned for her. And um, she didn't because CBS did not meet her quote. Now, that's her story. I'm sure it's accurate as far as it goes. However, I wonder, and this is wild speculation based on nothing I could possibly know, so don't sue me, but I wonder if she gave them a quote that was so high she knew they would not meet it, and that way she would get to not have to go back and act with perhaps some people she doesn't like. I have no way of knowing that either. Um, or returning to a franchise that by the end she seemed like she was super duper over it um, and still looked like the good guy who was like willing to be a trooper, but then CBS was too cheap. What do you guys think? We all well, 
I read a different article than the one you put in the doc. Um, okay. And I mean, again, who knows? Um, the suggestion was that because she was being asked to come back as a guest star. Oh, right. That they were going to pay her the guest star rate rather than is, her, right. her usual. Um, her good and wife, that the right. quote she gave was what she was paid for the good wife. Mm-hmm. So like it was a giant downgrade. I mean, it's still like, I don't think you can expect to get paid what you're being paid as the lead on a TV show to come back and do a guest arc. But there's also like an enormous gap in between those two numbers. That that is true. But I'll also say I I am pretty sure whatever they were offering her for a guest star role on a CBS All Access show is comparable or possibly higher than whatever she made for a season of diet. <laughs> like sure. she was not and making bank on that. I just I'm also I the, can't imagine they would have offered her scale. Like, even if right. it wasn't her old rate, I'm right. sure it wasn't the number quoted in whatever Hollywood Reporter or whatever article that I read. Yeah. yeah. So I don't and know. I also kind of Go don't ahead. understand why she couldn't have just, like, covered it better. Like, I, I just feel like historically her handling of th- this stuff, like, not that she has to, quote unquote, be a certain way about a job that she may not have enjoyed by the end with coworkers that she did not like for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. But it just always seems like she f- finds a way to shade uh, other people uh-huh. and or tries to, but then ends up looking like kind of a pill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is how this reads too. Like, I'm not saying that she should lower her quote. Absolutely not. Sure. But, there was a there is absolutely a way to just be like, yeah, you know, we've talked about it a bunch of times and I'm looking forward to what we come up with. And then when it never happens, just like keep giving the same answer. Right. Yeah. Maybe yeah, I'm being some... a, maybe I'm being a sexist <laughs> and being like, just smooth it over. No, but I don't think so. Also, I just don't like her. <laughs> well, <So. laughs> yes, I knew that, too. I mean, as there's so much gossip stories on The Good Wife and we I feel like we never really get to the bottom of them. And I just need to know. Who needs to die for like the full tell all to come Seriously? out? Because like I need to know. Did I you guys catch uh, Joe Reed called this out on Twitter in I think the most recent episode or maybe the one before? There's an extra who looks just like her. Oh, on the good fight. I'm on the good fight in the in in one of Diane's women's group scenes. Oh, and, like, that's so funny. it's a place that that Alicia might be. Right. Like it has to have been deliberate. Right. Um, <laughs> like it. Yeah, it was great. Um, it just felt like a weird little call out. It's it's weird to me. I don't really want her back for a storyline. Sure. But the fact that they never say her name, like, is Peter still governor? Right. <laughs> it's just very strange. And especially like that show is so good at continuity mm-hmm. um, with with its guest actors. Right. Like Aaron Tveit just played a part. I think he's played in three or four episodes over the last 10 years. And he's, yeah. <laughs> they bring him back like when they can and when he's free and for them to just forget that the Florix ever existed, I find very strange. Do you know what else is good at continuity? <laughs> <laughs> Time game. <laughs> All right, everybody, this is the first of two game times today. This first one is the 11th game time of the season. Season scores are. Sarah with four, Tara with three, Value Guest with three. First, oh first up today, it is a simple test of your knowledge of TV pets in TV Pets from the fine <laughs> folks 
at, at EHG Assist on Twitter. Thank you very much, everybody, at, at EHG Assist for helping me put together this game uh, within like three hours of record time. So, hey, team. Thanks, guys. Sisters. Yeah, this game is super simple. I am going to give you the show, the owner, and the type of animal. You must name the pet for one okay. point. Oh, boy. All right. There's no hints or clues. So I'm going to give you those three <clears throat> pieces of information. You have to tell me the name of the pet in question. Okay. We have 57 pets today. Whoa. And we have three, count them, three gross worth equalizer challenge zones. Yeah. Now, Adam, do you just call them? Equalizer challenge zone? I was going to ask that. I call them coal equalizer challenge zones. Oh, okay. Weird, but here we are. Uh, we also have steel meals, I think, still in play. Tara, what's the situation there? Uh, valued guests have one, and I have one. All right, so let's start to picky to see who's actually going to start us off. We will start with valued guest. All right, so Adam is going first, then Tara, then Sarah. Are we ready to play TV Pets? Okay. Yes, sir. Yes. Yeah. All right, Adam. On Pushing Daisies, Ned the Pie Maker has a golden retriever named... What? Uh, I feel like it's something death-related, but I I don't remember. That dog's name? Digby. Digby. Great, I was wrong in every way. Awesome. <laughs> dig. On Frager, and I ought to know, I'm Frager, Martin Crane has a Jack Russell Terrier named... Eddie. Sarah D. Bunting. On Clone High, Principal Scudworth has a robot dog named... Hog. <sighs> Dogtron? <laughs> Don't remember. That's a Cybo Pooch commencing 12-hour oh, yes. licking session. I believe it's E-Cybo Pooch. E-Cybo Pooch. Yes. All right, back to Adam. In Looney Tunes, Granny has a canary named Tweety Bird. Tweety Bird. Tara. On Gilmore Girls, Lorelai Gilmore has a Polish lowland sheepdog named Paul Anka. Sarity Bunting. On Santa Clarita Diet, Sheila has an undead internal organ spider named Taco. <laughs> Taco? Yes. Mm. I wish that you was said true. that was with such speed. And I, I re it really sounded confident. That I had to double check the answer on my sheet. <laughs> that pet, in quotes, name is Mr. Ball Legs. It's some sort of zombie creating spider that lives in all the people on that show. So <laughs> that I, show really took a turn after the first four episodes we watched. Back to Adam. In Mad About You, Paul and Jamie have a collie mix named. Oh, I don't know. It was so long ago. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> that dog's name, I think Sarah knows. It's Murray. It's Murray. Oh, Murray. Tara. Yes. On MASH, Colonel Potter has a horse named. Oh, no. Uh, Hercules. Sophie. Sophie. <laughs> Taco. <That's close>. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah D. Bunting, Sabrina on Sabrina the Teenage Witch, has a cat named... Oh, my God. I can picture this cat, too. That doesn't help. Bla uh, Blackie. Blackie. Ah! Incorrect. Salem. Salem. Oh, sure. Adam Grossworth. Mm-hmm. On Doctor Who, 
the doctor has a robot dog whose name is K9. Nine, correct. Tara Ariano. Yes. On Full House, the Tanner family has a golden retriever named. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, Frisbee. Not right. Mm. <laughs> it is not right. It is Comet. Comet. Oh, right. Sarah Bundy. On Parks and Rec, April and Andy have a three legged rescue dog named. Oh, Tripod? Champion. Champion. All right, everybody's last question before the first score break and gross worth slash nothing equalizer challenge zone. <laughs> Adam. Yeah. In Star Trek Enterprise, Captain Archer has a basset hound named. Oh. Uh, Magellan? Galileo? Porthos. Oh, sure. Oh. None, none of those. All right, Tara. Mm. On The Simpsons, The Simpsons have a greyhound named Santa's Little Helper. And Sarah, on Beretta, your favorite show, Beretta, <laughs> Tony Beretta has a cockatoo named. And if you get it right, you get two Dave points and one Razamataz point. <laughs> Gosh. Has a cockatoo yeah. named the following. The following thing, which is Dragnet. <laughs> Simply named Fred. And that takes us into oh, our first score break here at question 50. Okay. Uh, I have three points. Adam has two points. Sarah has zero points. All right, Sarah. I guess that means you are in the... Equalizer challenge. Grossworth. Equalizer. Challenge. Zone. <laughs> I hold on my hand. The Trivial Pursuit question. Get three points for... I mean, get three of these right for two points. What city did Dragnet take place in? Los Angeles. What show had Ellie Mae bring home a bear, a pigeon, a rooster, a bear, a skunk, a dog, (laughs) and a cat as pets? I don't know why bears in there. Beverly Hillbillies? Do a good start. What was the title of James at 13 changed to in 1978? What was the title of James at 15 changed to in 1978? Because they changed it back. Um, James. James at 16. Kids and games. You may not ask Adam for any help. What supporting actress clawed her way to second billing on The Muppet Show? <laughs> what supporting actress clawed her way up to second billing on The Muppet Show? Uh, uh, Miss Piggy. Miss Piggy, there you go. She did it! You got your points. So, hey. she gets two points. Let's hear the updated scores, please, sir. Okay, now Adam and Sarah are tied with two points each. I have three. Very close All game. Right. Excellent. All right, back to the game. And we are back to Adam. On Veronica Mars, the Marses have a pit bull named Backup. Number 17. On Saturday Night Live, Lyle and Brenda have a driving cat named (laughs) Toonses. Sarah D. Bunting. On the Lone Ranger, the Lone Ranger has a horse named Silver. This was the last one added to the uh, game by EHG Assist. I really enjoy it. On Sesame Street, Oscar the Grouch has a worm named... 
Oh, shit. Oh, it's on the tip of my brain. I'm going to be so mad. Ooh. A rare Muppet adjacent fail coming our I way? I know. Mm. Uh, smiley, slinky, slimy. I'm going to give you it. You said oh, really? slimy. Yeah, I'm going to give you that point. It's slimy. <laughs> slimy. Nice. Thank you, Dave. You're welcome. Will and Grace, Tara. Will yep. and Grace's Jack McFarlane had a scarlet macaw named... Oh... Ooh. Guapo! Wow. Act. Well done. Sarah D. Bunting. On Scrubs, JD and Turk have a stuffed lab named. <sighs> Wheaties. <laughs> Close. Uh, that's Rowdy. Rowdy. Oh, Wheaties. I'm so <laughs> defeated. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Sometimes Piggy is good to you. Sometimes, you know. Oh, yeah. Sometimes Piggy's a bitch. Adam Grossworth, Elementary's Sherlock and Joan share a pet tortoise named. I do not know. Named Clyde. Clyde. Sure. All right. Um, a little editorializing here, I believe. I don't think this is the official name of the uh, species, but in Pokemon, Ash Ketchum has an electric mouse. <laughs> Which is such a great 75 year old. Why is this electric mouse on the TV? That electric mouse's name is Pikachu. Pikachu, sure. Detective Pikachu, as we saw in the trailers at Shazam. For Sarah. On Friends, Ross Geller has a monkey named. <sighs> oh! Marcel! Yeah! Oh, nice. Adam Grossworth. On the Flintstones, the Flintstones have a Snorkosaurus named Dino. Correct. On Star Trek The Next Generation, Tara, Data has a cat named... Oh, it's like... Is it just named Cat? Mm, it's not. It's named Spot. Spot. Oh, okay. right. Sarah D. Bunting, I can't remember if you watched the show or not. On The Magicians... The physical kids have a dog named two possible mm -hmm. answers. Two possible well, answers. There's a name, and there's sort of like a more common nickname they call it. So, Merlin. Yeah. What's Merlin's last name? <laughs> it's not Merlin. Uh, the answer was <laughs> Cancer Puppy. Cancer Puppy. Damn. So, oh, yeah. So apparently there is this dog. I don't watch the show, but there's a dog, and it's been kept alive in some sort of stasis magic room for 150 years. It doesn't age, but it still gets all the diseases you can as you age. So oh, no yeah, It's really cute and really sad, and I forgot all about it, and I do watch oh. that show. <laughs> okay. To Adam. Married with Children's The Bundies had a dog named... Bud? Oh my god, so close. <laughs> Buck. Well, Buck. Bud's the kid. I knew that was Bud wrong. Was... <laughs> oh yeah, right. <laughs> Ed. All right, Tara. Yep. In Gravity Falls, Mabel Pines has a pet pig named... Oh no, what is his name? Go to a pig. Oh, I don't remember. I don't remember. The Time Traveler's pig. I can't remember. Mm. I don't know. Waddles. Waddles. Oh. I haven't watched that show in too long. All right. Take us into our second score break for Sarah. Her favorite show. One she watches, never misses. In Game of Thrones, King Tommen 
has a cat named... Now I'm going to give you a hint. <sighs> no, you don't need to. I actually know this one. All right. Sir Pounce. Yay! All right. Yeah! Well nice. I was going to say, this is, this is a goofy name, but uh, you got it. How do you know that? I don't know. Osmosis? On the internet. Just one of those cat lady things that... Editing I mean, recaps, probably. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's probably why. All right, let's hear the scores, Tara. Very close game. I have six points. Adam and Sarah are tied with five E. That means... Oh. Ooh, together. Teaming up for points. In Teaming the... up with Grossworth in the Grossworth Equalizer I Challenge. I mean, what a time I didn't to even give you this set of cards. No I, there is nothing oh, shit. <laughs> that I can bring to this. But Here we okay. go. <laughs> Starting with Good classics. Luck. What Flash Gordon nemesis rules the planet Mongo? I know this one. I, I think I do too, but go ahead. Uh, no, after you. Uh, Your game. Ming the Merciless? Sitcoms. Nice. Which program had a longer first run? The Bob Newhart Show or Newhart? Oh. I think it's Newhart, but I'm not confident. I think you... it is too, but... Okay. Final Newhart. answer? Newhart. Yay! What future Charlie's Angel was one of Private Eye Harry Orwell's neighbors in Harry O? <sighs> now we're looking for the, uh, the actor. actor. The actor. Yeah. I have no I, idea. I mean, I can't imagine they're... You have a one in three chance. Right. Well, four, technically. Yeah, Tara. Right. Asking for her. Um, should we just go with the most famous one? Sure. All right. Farrah Fawcett Majors. Nice. <gasps> There's your two points. Now you can go for four if you get the next three correct. <laughs> yeah, okay. That ends here. Kids and games. How many Ooh. treasure chests? How many treasure chests did contestants have to choose from on Treasure Hunt? Three. Oh, sure. Three? Got to multiply yeah. that by 10 for 30. Ooh. Don't well, know what that right. is, but all I'm right. imagining basically deal or no deal with I was going to say. Yeah. For kids. <laughs> uh, but well done. You you split the points. So Yeah. Nice. So scores, please, now turn. Well, it's an even closer game than ever before. Now we are all three tied with six points. Yeah. All right. We're halfway we through. Equalized. To Adam. Brady Bunch, the, on Brady Bunch, the Bradys had a mutt named Tiger. Yeah, they did. On Family Guy, the Griffins had a white dog named Brian. Sarah D. Bunting on Elf, the Tanner family had a cat named Dinner. Will cat osmosis <laughs> work this time? No. No. <laughs> that cat's name was Lucky. Oh, oh yeah. Was he? All right, Mr. Grossworth, on Punky Brewster, Punky had a golden retriever. What was that golden retriever's name? Refrigerator. Dark. Remember that episode where she was trapped in that dog? Yeah, oh, it's in the yeah. cannon. It's like the Tauntaun and Empire Strikes Back. Uh, Brandon <laughs> was the dog's name. Brandon. After Brandon Tartikoff. A real suck up move. Wow. It's a really stupid dog name. Tara Ariano. <laughs> yep. On the Smurfs, Gargamel had a cat named... Azrael. Sarah D. Bunting. On Super Friends, Zan and Jaina, the Wonder Twins, had a super annoying monkey named... Oh, Jesus. 
I can picture this monkey. I mean, was he a pet or a com? You know, a, a comrade? Right. I don't know. Yeah, he's like a Pluto or Goofy. Um, I'll give you a hint here. Uh, later used as a name, like a uh, marketing name for a Fox show. Used in marketing for a Fox show, I'll say. Like hmm. a hashtag kind of bullshit. Oh, okay. I thought I knew it, but maybe not. <laughs> they named their monkey Master Chef? Steel <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> <laughs> mail? Okay, steel mail. Gleek. Gleek, correct. He got it! All right, Adam with the steel mail. And Adam's real question coming up. Bob's Burgers, we have Tina Belcher, who has an imaginary horse named... Oh, shit. I don't know, and I should. That is Jericho. Jericho. Oh. <laughs> Tara Ariana. Mm-hmm. You're getting a lot of love from Picky, I gotta say, this game. On The Simpsons, okay. Selma has a pet iguana named... Jub Jub. Jub Jub. I think Sarah's gonna know this one. Just from recap horrors of past, I think. On Seventh Heaven, the Camden family has a mixed terrier whose name is... Happy! <laughs> Adam. Yeah. On Miami Vice, Sonny Crockett has an alligator whose name is... Sarah's so mad right now. <laughs> so mad. Bill Collins. Mm. <laughs> that far off. Glenn Fry. It is a, it is a musician. <laughs> it is Elvis. Elvis. Oh. Tara Ariana. Mm-hmm. On Battlestar Galactica, OG, Boxy has a daggett named... Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> that daggett, who was a robot dog, was named Buffett. Buffett. Okay. All right. Sarah D. Bunting. On Fringe, Walter Bishop had a cow named... Oh, shit. What's her name? Elsie. Jean. Jean. Oh, sure. All right, Adam. On Big Mouth. You watch Big Mouth, Adam? I I do. All right. On Big Mouth, Jay had a pit bull named... That's Jay uh, Bilzerian. Uh, 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 Ludacris featuring Pitbull. Uh, Featuring (laughs) Ludacris is the answer. I think you got close Pitbull featuring Ludacris. Yeah, we'll give you that one. (laughs) Tara Ariana. Yes. On Star Trek The Next Generation, again, mm-hmm. Captain yes. Picard had a lionfish named... Bit of a deep dive. Coriolanus. <laughs> Livingston. Livingston. Okay. All right, bring us into our third score break for Sarah. On The Nanny, Cece Babcock had a Pomeranian named... Coriolanus. <laughs> Don't steal my bit. Keep on answering it. It's bound to show up sometime. It was Chester. Chester. No. All right. Here we are. Everybody's got, uh, we got about 12 questions left. Let's get the scores. A very close game. Adam and I are tied with nine points each. Sarah has seven. All right, Sarah. You can tie it up. I'm just going to say it. I think this card is sweepable. I'm not saying it's super easy. I'm just saying you have a chance. Okay. Classics. What TV family had a theme song saying they were creepy and ooky, mysterious and spooky? Uh, That would be the Addams Family. Correct. Yeah. Sitcoms. What spy's cover was as a salesman for the Pontiac Greeting Card Company? Uh, uh, Maxwell Smart. (laughs) 
Drama. What profession is the focus of the show Nightingales? What profession? Nursing. Two. What cable channel offered a program promo titled How to Be Donna Reed? This is Kids and Games. What cable channel offered a program promo titled How to Be Donna Reed? Keep in mind, Kids and Games. Uh, uh, Nickelodeon or Nick at Night? Correct. <laughs> Stars. Which of the Beatles appeared on Jerry Lewis's 1972 telethon? I'm going to guess you have approximately... A one in four or mysterious <laughs> fifth beetle. Uh, which beetle? Oh, God. This is the one that's going to get me. I have a feeling. Um, I'm just going to say Ringo. Mm. Ah, John Not Lennon. John. Oh, that fucker. What cable network is dubbed the Superstation? TBS. Yeah. Oh, the Beatles got you. Oh. But well done. That gives you two points, which means we're all tied. Yeah. Yes. The Equalizer Challenge once again did its job. Four questions for everybody left, starting with Adam. Saved by the Bells Slater had a lizard named... Zach. RT. Mm. <laughs> RT. Sure. Tar. Mm. On Inspector Gadget, Penny had a yellow dog named... Oh. Oh, I don't remember. Hennessy. <laughs> wow. Uh, that dog's name is Brain. Brain. Okay. Sarah D. Bunting on Empty Nest, Harry Weston had a St. Bernard Retriever mix named. Bill. I thought you might know because it was a Golden Girls spinoff. What was the answer, Dave? Sorry. That was me. I was. Was that also Murray? Were there two Murrays no. at the same time? Uh, this is Dreyfus. Dreyfus, right? Which is a, which is a name in the same ballpark as Murray. I'll give you. Yeah, that. Sure. definitely an old man. Yeah. Adam on Lost. Walt had a Labrador Retriever named. I definitely don't remember. Anybody remember that dog? No. Name? Vincent. Vincent. Oh Vincent. yeah. Shit. Tara. Yeah. On Green Acres, Fred and Doris had a pig named. Oh, man. This was a joke on news radio. It's the only reason <laughs> I might know it. Is it like Alvin? It is like Alvin, but it is yeah. not Alvin. It's, it's Arnold. 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 <laughs> Fucking pig. All right. Yeah, this... Dave is watching and can tell the difference between different Arnolds. This uh, last bit's kicking your asses, guys. Yeah. Or Sarah. On SpongeBob SquarePants, SpongeBob has a pet snail whose name is Gary. Gary. All right, Adam. Yeah. On Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Tara and Willow have a mostly black cat named. Shit. I don't remember that at all. <laughs> this cat has three names. I mean, his oh, name is three oh. names. I call my cat this all the time and my mind is blank. Oh, dear. Mr. Something. Damn it. Miss, Miss Kitty Fantastico. What was that? Miss Kitty Fantastico. Right, I'll give it to you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Tara. Thank you and fuck off brain. <laughs> On Game of Thrones, Jon Snow has a dire wolf whose name is... And it's not Wolfie. Um, it's not Murray. 
thought. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what if it was? That Dyer's wolf name is Ghost. Ghost. Okay. Uh-huh. Sarah D. Bunting on the Jetsons. Elroy had a dog named. I'm like singing the whole song in my head right now. Uh, yeah. a- a- Astro? Correct. All right. Everybody's got one question left. So let's quickly hear the scores. Please turn. Fuck. It's so <laughs> close. I have nine points still. Adam has 10. Sarah has 11. Ooh, all right. Ooh, all right. Here we go. Get some fucking space question. I can tell. I will tell you, there is a space question still in the mix, Sarah. Don't know. On Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Adam, Raymond Holt and Kevin had a corgi <laughs> named Cheddar. Thank Cheddar. God. Nice. Tara. Yes. On Futurama, Leela has a Niblonian named <laughs> Nibbler. Or Lord Nibbler, if you want to be fancy about it. Sure. All right. So what's that mean? Adam and Sarah are tied? I'm at a no. I'm at a contention. Adam and Sarah are currently tied, but Sarah has one question left. Exactly what I just asked. I don't know why you answered <laughs> oh, I'm it sorry. that way. It's all about you, apparently. Sarah D. Bunting. <laughs> you get this, you win. You uh-huh. don't. We go to a tiebreaker between you and Mr. Grossworth. <laughs> On King of the Hill, the Hill family <laughs> had a bloodhound named. What? Walker, Texas Ranger. Oh. <laughs> Incorrect. Anybody know that one? I do, but I'm not going to use my steel mail. It's Ladybird. It's Ladybird. Oh, sure. Wait, you're not going to use your steel mail? No. That was dumb. All right. <laughs> Sarah, deep. You got to have the eye of the tiger, Tara. I'm very disappointed. You got to tie that well, up three way tight. That's fine. Hey, you made your listen. choice. I don't care. You got to live with it, not me. Here we go. Jesus Tiebreaker. Good luck. I will start reading it. I'm going to let you guys answer it anytime. I'm going to tell you, we've got two names you got to give here. On Magnum P.I., Higgins had Dobermans named... Named what? <laughs> oh, shit. Nobody knows. <laughs> Frickin' frack. Like... Frickin' frack. Adam, do you know? Bob and Gwen. <laughs> <laughs> Are right, you going to try to jog your memory? Maybe it'll work. Maybe we're going to have to pause it so I can make another question up. These two dogs are named after Greek gods. Do you know their names now? Zeus and Hera? Mm. Apollo and Athena. Oh, my God. No! Okay. And now we pause for a moment so Dave can do another question for a tiebreaker. Insert Muzak here. Okay, the answer there, guys. You both had half. Zeus and Apollo. Uh, Apollo. Sexist. All right. So I'm in the <laughs> weird uh, spot here of having to use sort of more marginal uh, questions that I originally had removed from the game. because so I thought nobody would get them. I'm going to say them in hopes that someone will get one of them. If not, we're going to end on one that I know someone will get, but I don't think is like a true TV show. You'll see what I mean if we get there. All right. Okay. okay. Good luck, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. In Caroline in the city, Caroline had a cat named Malcolm Getz. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Any ideas, sir? 
Um, no. All Let's right. go with mouse. Salty. Salty was that one. All right. Yeah. On Kim Possible, nope. Ron Stoppable had a naked mole rat named... <laughs> Gwinty. I thought maybe Sarah might know that because of, you know, nephews. No. Any idea, Adam? Sally Bowles. <laughs> All right. Uh, On Marvel's The Runaways, Gert has a dinosaur named... Anybody watch The Runaways? <laughs> Dean Martin? I don't know. Nope. Hulu? All right, here we go, guys. Actually, I'm going to give you another one. Another one real quick. On Game of Thrones, Dragon Lady has a dragon named... Drogon. No, there we go. Adam ah! got it. The one that I was mean. keeping in reserve was uh, John from Garfield and Friends had a dog named... Odie. Yeah, so but it's really a comic first. Yeah, it's like well, a TV yeah. show, but uh, not 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 worthy of a final answer. I'm glad you got that, Adam. So that means Adam Grossworth. I am embarrassed, but pleased. Valued guest. Valued guest. Ooh, what a barn burner. Holy cow, that went right to the end. Guys, guess what? It's not time to end. It's time for <laughs> our second game time. Oh, shit. All right, guys, welcome back. <laughs> I want y'all to know I just did jazz hands to the theme. It was very satisfying. <laughs> this is the 12th game time of the season. Our season scores are Sarah 4, Value Guess 4, Tara 3. Our second game is from none other than Mr. Dan Casino. Who earned himself an extra credit? Redeemable for, of course, an extra credit topic of his choosing. Dan has sent us the game called These Shows Have Issues. He writes, There is a long tradition of making comic books out of TV shows. Sometimes the comics let the creators do things that budget constraints wouldn't allow. Other times the comics serve as continuations of canceled shows or to allow for crossovers with other properties. In this game, I'll describe some issues of a comic based on a TV show and tell you the year the comic was produced which may or may not correspond to when the show was made. Guess the show without a hint for two points, or if you don't know it, get a hint in the form of the years the original show ran and the network it ran on. The correct answer after the hint is worth one point. You only get to answer once. Remember, the fact that a comic book version of a show would be nonsense or that no one would want it does not mean that it wasn't made. <laughs> Here's an example. A recent series based on this TV show had a trio, a trio of conspiracy theorists is seeking out the help of the Ninja Turtles to stop an undead menace. The X-Files? That is the Jeez. comic book, The X-Files, in which the lone gunmen hook up with wow. the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. We have 39 TV shows to name today. We have two Grossworth Ecologer Challenge Zones in play. Uh, what is our steam situation? Tar, does anybody have any left? Me, I have one. All right, that makes it simple. Our order is the same. Adam. Yes. 2014, this comic. After fleeing the law at the end of season eight, the main character resurfaces in the Ukraine where he must contend with an enemy from his past and the efforts of the CIA to capture him. Guess that show for two. Get some additional information about the show 
after which the correct answer is one. But keep in mind, you only get to guess once. I will take the hint, please. This show was on Fox from 2001 to 2008 and again in 2014. Decent hint. 24. Good for one point. Tara. 2016. Canadian writer Ryan North won an Oppet Prize for Comics for his work on this series, including a choose-your-own-adventure in which the reader controls how the lead characters deal with the Ice King. The Ice King. Game of Thrones? That's how they get you. That was Adventure Time. Oh. Adventure Time. Sarah D. Bunting. Comics based on this property have run basically continuously for decades. A recent series had a crossover between all the incarnations of the lead alien. And this is 2011, this comic. Uh, the um, Star Trek? Should have asked for the hint. The hint was BBC 1963 to 1989 and oh. 2005 oh. to the present. That fucker. Doctor Who. Doctor Who. AKA. That fucker. <laughs> Adam Gross for a 2013 comic. In its most recent releases, the comic based on this show had to be retitled Steed and Mrs. Peel for obvious reasons. Uh, Avengers? Avengers, correct. Two points. Nice. Tara. 1996 is this comic. In the comics based on this animated series, the guys do things like go to summer camp, go skydiving, as sitting around watching music videos would not make for compelling reading. Beavis and Butthead. Good for two. Sarity Bunting, this comic is from 2011. In the comics, the likeness of Jennifer Love Hewitt clashes with a spirit claiming to be the Egyptian god Osiris. Oh my god. <laughs> what? I kind of want to read this shit show based on, I'm guessing, the Ghost Whisperer. Mm. Party of five. No, it's the Ghost Whisperer. <laughs> <laughs> you are correct. Adam, 2013. In the recent comic series based on this soap, the lead family are in conflict with Dark Bartimus and his family of vampires. Dark Shadows. Dark Shadows, correct. 1977, this comic, Tara. In mm-hmm. issue eight in 1977, the comics version of the sitcom, it ran for 10, features Vinny and his buddies hanging from a helicopter being flown by their teacher. Welcome back, Cotter. Welcome back, Cotter. Really? Jesus. Yep. Two points. Sarity Bunting, 2012. Most of these comics continue the story of this acclaimed Nickelodeon cartoon, not that wretched M. Night Shyamalan movie, and set up the sequel series, The Legend of Korra. Guess or get the hint? Um, I'll take the hint. Nickelodeon, 2005 to 2008. <sighs> we got a comic, we got a show, we got a movie. Uh, Invincible? That is Avatar The Last Airbender. Oh, right. That thing. Adam, 1996. One notable storyline in these comics had the cast travel to a satanic parallel Earth to repair the dimensional barrier damaged by Quinn's double. And uh, I don't, I guess I'll take the hint. I don't think it'll help. 
All right. This show aired from 1995 to 2000. Yeah. It's definitely a cult classic. It uh, aired on Fox and Siffy. Oh, oh, uh, Sliders? Sliders. Nice. Wow. Why do I know that? Nice pull. Nice pull. <laughs> All right, Tara. Yep. 2016. Mm-hmm. Several issues of the comic based on this animated show are full length erotic friend fiction stories. <laughs> oh, I don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like this movie. Um, hint. This show is on Fox and runs from 2011 to the present. Oh, Bob's Burgers. Yeah, you got it. Ooh. Sarah D. Bunting, 2005. Several of the series based on this short-lived show take place between the end of the series and the follow-up movie. One features a hover stagecoach. The Firefly. Firefly, two points. <laughs> Adam Grossberg. Yes. Hey, look, you got the space in. You got it. You apologize to space and time. <laughs> Show's not going on until we hear an apology to space and time. <laughs> oh, shit. Standoff. All right, oh, moving no. on. I don't know which of you is more stubborn, Frank. Adam Grossworth. I got to keep the show running. It's up to me. 2014. Steve Austin guest stars in the comic series that serves as season four of this 70s action show. The Bionic Woman. The Bionic Woman is correct. Nice. Tara, 2003. This comic based on this 70s forerunner of the X-Files features the titular reporter going up against Cthulhu. Kolchak the Night Stalker. Yeah. Nice. All right, take us into our first score break for Sarah D. Bunting, 2011. The comic based on this 80s kids show has stories about Gobo, Moki, Boober, and Red, Aww. and plenty of Uncle Traveling Matt. Sorry, space and time. Oh. <laughs> Fraggle Rock. Fraggle Rock, you got it. <laughs> Nicely done. All right, that's question 15 of a bunch, 39. Tara, scores. It's a very close game. Adam has eight points. I have seven points. Sarah has six points. All right, Sarah. (laughs) The Adam Grossworth Equalizer Challenge Zone. Oh, no, the name's getting longer. Classics. What 50s sitcom was the first TV show to be seen by more than 10 million viewers? I Love Lucy? Sitcoms. What sitcom character did W Magazine include in a fashion spread with female anchors Jane Polly and Kathleen Sullivan? Uh, what sitcom character was in a magazine spread? Murphy Brown. <gasps> Shit. Drama. What 29 and one half hour miniseries plot covered December 1941 to August 1945? Not north south. I'm sorry. Can you read the <laughs> 29 and a half hours? This miniseries, miniseries that ran 29 and a half hours. Its plot covered December 1941 to August 1945. Uh, the war. I don't know. War and remembrance. Oh, oh right. I thought it was the winds of war. 
All right, you can still get points. Just need to answer one of these last three. I don't know the if this is technically correct, but the the path is obvious. Who did TV Guide dub Heroes on a Half Shell? Heroes on a Half Shell? Yeah. Uh, uh, SpongeBob SquarePants? I don't know. <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, right. What preacher, this is Stars, ran the Liberty, Liberty Broadcasting Network? That was preacher, not creature. Yeah, yeah. Pre- sorry. <laughs> a little social commentary oh, for you. Yeah. Uh, Oral Roberts. Okay. It's J- Jerry Falwell, right? Oh yeah, sorry, Jerry Falwell. What cable channel appears in TV listings as L I F? Lifetime. <gasps> they did it! Correct. All yep. right, you got your four points. So, hey, let's hear the scores. Okay. Well. I have seven points. Adam has eight points. Sarah has ten points. All right. That's how you do it. Sarah played strategically, playing dumb up until question 15, so she can stand in there with the four points. <laughs> I see how you do. Adam Grossworth, back to you. I learned it from watching you, Dave. <laughs> 1988. The comic based on this 80s sitcom ran for 50 issues and featured plots that couldn't be shown on TV like the title character walking around in full view and visits from other Malmachians. Malmachians. Elf. Malmachians. Elf, you are correct. I follow someone on Twitter who has been live tweeting his stash of these comics, and they are truly deranged. They come from the mind of a sick, sick individual. All right, this is question 17. Pretty good. 1995. The comic based on this 90s cartoon went places they probably couldn't have in the show, like a Quentin Tarantino-themed issue in which the Warners help Squinton Taratella with his new movie, <laughs> Helped Fractions. Um, well, it's one of two. Oh, it's Animaniacs. You are correct. Two points. Sarah D. Bunting, your comic, 2009. After a nutty fan campaign, this comic, billed as season three of this cult CBS show, featured the fallout of the second American Civil War. Nutty campaign, you say? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that narrows it down. JK, I think this is Jericho. You are correct. Two points. All right, this is question. 2018. The comic continuation of this show went on so long that it got to season 11 in which the big bad is a dragon that's destroyed part of San Francisco. Nothing of value was lost. <laughs> is that Buffy? Correct. JK, love you, San Francisco. JK, don't. Tari Ariano, <laughs> 1988. <laughs> the comic follows a British secret agent who stumbles upon the village years after the events of the TV show where she is caught in a conflict between number two and number six. The prisoner. Prisoner. Correct. Two points. Back to Sarah. 2004. Comic series based on this cop show has the murder of a journalist putting too much media attention on the strike team and Captain Asavida ordering them to be on their best behavior. It doesn't go well. Hint. FX... 2002 to 2008. Good hint. 
That is a good hint. Is it uh, the never watched by anyone on this program, The Shield? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. We never have and we never will. Nope. You can't Defiance, make us. We remain. Quality TV. No, they don't want it. No, they don't care if you play airplane. Adam, 2015. Yeah. The comic version of this cop show is colored almost entirely in pastels and goes way over the top with explosions, drug busts, and giant crocodiles. Miami Vice? Yeah, last <laughs> game came in handy, didn't it? Two points. 2010, this comic, Tara. Mm-hmm. The comic version of this beloved 70s and 80s variety show has great bits, like a version of Death of a Salesman starring a bear and introduces the adult version of one character's twin sister, Scooter. Uh, the Muppet Show. To Sarah. 1954. The comic version of this classic sitcom featured photo covers of the title character, generally with her husband, and generally had them and their neighbors traveling somewhere and getting involved in low-stakes shenanigans. Mm, <laughs> is this I Love Lucy again? Is it? it is. Mm. Back to Adam. 2014 is this comic. The comic version of the sitcom takes a dramatic turn as the titular orphan has to fight in family court to stay with her adopted father, Henry. Punky Brewster? Yeah, Punky Brewster. <laughs> Knew his name. It's not Her the dog dogs. whose name I've already forgotten. Oh, right. Brandon. Yep. Brandon. Fridge. Fridge. <laughs> 2011. For Tara. <laughs> yep. The comic based on this procedural are, in theory, comic adaptations of the novels written by the shows, not a cop. Uh, hint. 2009 to 2016 on ABC. Oh, Castle. Castle. Good for one point. They made a comic based on Castle. Interesting Venn diagram there. Sarity Bunting, 2017. The comics continuation of this series feature a mad scientist and a werewolf caught in the conflict between Lucifer, Big Bad of Season 2, and Dracula, Big Bad of Season 3. Mm-hmm. Uh, hint, please. This show was on Showtime from 2014 to 2016. What's wrong with my mouth? Oh, that's not what I thought it was. Yeah, me neither. Showtime. 2014. Oh, oh, uh, uh, P- Penny Dreadful? Yes, Penny Dreadful. Good for one point. I thought it was True Blood. Uh, no, I thought it was Supernatural. Oh, yeah. All right, everybody's last question before the next score break. Adam Grossworth, 2014. The comics serving as seasons 9 and 10 of this show pointedly do not feature the likeness of Shannon Doherty, who declined to participate. (laughs) Beverly Hills, no, uh, Charmed. Charmed, correct, two points. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) 2018. The critically acclaimed comic version of this series reimagines the main character as a gay Tennessee Williams-type playwright trying to fight back against McCarthyism. That may not sound fun, but Quick Draw McGraw is a closeted cop who offs himself after hooking up with Huckleberry Hound, so it could be worse. Not joking, that's a real cop. (laughs) (laughs) Hint. Uh, Okay, this show originally ran 1959 to 1961, and it was syndicated. Oh my 
God. I don't know. Perry Mason? I have no idea. It's fucked up. Snagglepuss. <laughs> wow. <sighs> That's... That's what she said. <laughs> That's what she had. Take us into a score break. Sarah Bunting, 2010. One series of this comic based on a classic action show. Each feature a solo adventure from one on the team. The third issue centers on one character's aversion to flying. Uh, the A-Team? The A-Team. Two points. Tara, scores, please. Keep in mind, everybody has three questions left. Well, it's a very close game for not me. Adam and Sarah are tied with 18 points each. I have 14 points. Oh, shit. Classics. <laughs> What early TV comedy show host cracked that marriage helps the sale of Texaco? You wind up taking gas. Uh, Steve Allen. You are. Milton Berle is the answer. Thank you. Sitcoms. How many words do each of the Daryls finally speak in the final episode of Newhart? Zero. One. What primetime cult soap opera had eerie music composed by Angelo Balamenti? Balamenti. <laughs> Close enough. Twin Peaks. Kids and Games? Yes. What Sesame Street character's dream was to ride in a New York sanitation truck? Bert. Oh, you didn't think that was true. Oh, uh, shit. You dumb. <laughs> I just thought it sounded boring. <laughs> it does sound like a Fair. stupid Bert thing to watch. All right. The answer, of course, uh, Angelo Balalamenti. <laughs> uh, stars. Oscar the Grouch, obviously. Yes. Stars. What variety show host popularized the line, what you see is what you get? Variety show host. Hmm. Sonny Bono. Flip Wilson. Flip Fuck! Wilson. All right, that means you're out. You're out of it. No points for yeah. you, and you don't no deserve it. No points that. for me. Adam Gross. Good luck, everybody, but me. 2010. Thanks. The long-running comic based on this show is published by the same company that puts out Simpsons comics, and they've had a few crossovers, which was much more special before they did it on the actual Simpsons TV show. Family Guy? Mm. Oh! Incorrect. That's Futurama. Futurama. Yeah. Futurama. You didn't think about it. Adam I should have asked is for that. done. So we're moving on to Tara. Dave says, totally saving the moment. 2015. <laughs> the yes. recent reboot of this 80s cartoon about a rock star with a secret identity gave both the holograms and the misfits makeovers to reflect diversity of body type, race, and sexuality. Oh, good for them. Jam. Correct. Sarah D. Bunting. Truly outrageous. Looking to pull ahead here. 1993. The scripts for the comics were based on episodes of the fantasy romance show, which means that some of them were technically written by George R.R. R. Martin, making them something of a collector's item. Fantasy romance show? Oh, okay. Uh, uh, burn a guess, but I probably should. Uh, hint. This show ran from 1987 to 1990 on CBS. Oh, that's not what I thought. (laughs) 
fant- romance show? Yes. <laughs> okay, geez. George R.R. R. Martin? And it's, it's what Carcamente. I now think it is. Carol Ariano loved this yes. show. I think you're correct. All right. I way to heaven? I don't know. You're correct, Tara. It is. Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast. Oh, George R.R. Right. R. Martin wrote on Beauty and the Beast. That is crazy. All right. That was a good hand, too. Thank yeah. you, Bone. All right. We're still very close up top. Adam, mm-hmm. 2008. The writer of this comic said that the mission was to get the main character and Captain Awesome out of the Bymore and on a globe-trotting adventure. Uh, is it Chuck? It is. Good gamble. Two I... points. Nice. Tatara, 2018. <laughs> This comic stayed close to its TV roots with plots that somehow require the characters to go undercover on a roller derby team in order to save the president of the United States. (laughs) Um, Charlie's Angels? Correct. (laughs) Sarah, two points behind, correct? Read. No, she and Adam are... are, Oh, yes. Now she is two points behind. 2014. This modernization of this 90s show has a bigger role for Kevin the sentient robot that the group nerd built to try and impress his friends. Ben? Yeah. Kevin, the sentient robot that was built by the group nerd to impress his friends. Group nerd. Jesus. I don't know. Saved by the bell. <laughs> oh! Never <laughs> wow. that Thank you! Impressive. <gasps> Unexpected. Impressive. Yes. All tied up. Everybody's got one question. Adam. Holy shit. 1990. No, sorry. 1981. <laughs> different. Close. Different. The other 1990. <laughs> In many ways, 1981. It was, just a, it was just a dress rehearsal for 1990. The prequel. Yeah. Unlike either TV version, the first series of comics based on this property had a reasonable ending that involved the crew finding Earth. Battlestar Galactica? All right, that puts the pressure on Sarah, but let's get to Tara first. 2008. (laughs) The speed bump, yes. (laughs) This series serves as a prequel to the sci-fi TV series. It focuses on the background of Doctors Bishop and Bell and supposedly featured hints as to the weird going-ons in the show. Um, Fringe? Correct for two points. All right, Sarah. They need yep. the two-pointer to tie it. And I think you got a very good chance. 1990. This series mostly featured photo covers and mostly of Christina Applegate and the plots that the family got into outside the house. Really? Married with <laughs> children had a comic book? It did, and it's two, and that means we're all tied up. Correct, Heck. Well, yeah. yes. Well, not Adam you. and Sarah are tied. <laughs> not the speed bump. <laughs> not Mrs. Oscar the Grouch, but yes. All right. <laughs> that means we're into our tiebreaker. Oh, my God. Oh, shit. All right. You're ready? I'm going to start reading plots from the comic. When you think you know the TV show, shout it out. Here we go. This is too much. Turns out that their fraternal organization is for veterans, as the main character and his best friend flash back to their time fighting a genocidal war. 
No guesses on that one? Can't believe this is happening again. The main <laughs> character's wife wants to be an artist, but all she paints are handprints on the walls. <laughs> Number three. Don't worry, you'll get it. You'll get it. The town tries to treat a drug problem with Mothadone clinics. Point number four. Vacuum cleaner is heartbroken when bowling ball goes missing. So he leaves the house to look for him, but he's injured on the journey and the family throws uh, uh, him the, out. The Flintstones. The Flintstones. Adam got it. <laughs> that new weird Flintstones thing. Oh. Oh. By the creator of oh. Snagglepuss up top earlier. Wow. Oh my God. I don't know yet. anything about Snagglepuss, but I did read the Flintstones comics. It's actually pretty good. Uh, a genocidal it. war? Yeah, so Fred and Barney are like <laughs> oh my veterans. God. They're like, the Flintstones are like the first modern humans, and they're still fighting a war against the Neanderthals. Oh, oh my, my God. God. And they're basically, they basically, like, they, they have uh, post traumatic stress syndrome because they're basically murdered the whole race. <laughs> and then there's. Oh, and then, yeah. And the whole storyline of the vacuum cleaner and the bowling ball is like super sad it's 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 a real weird take on this on the flintstones i am gonna read oh, that tomorrow. speaking Man. of super sad i was up like four to nothing yeah um <laughs> the last hint was the great gazoo comes to town oh and is disgusted by the consumerism he encounters and they go to a tribunal and to decide uh, whether or not <laughs> earth will be destroyed that's his role in the comic. oh my god <laughs> <laughs> but for now Valued guess. Wow, Adam pulls it out for nice. the valued Ooh. guess. That means. Course by course. Two seasons in a row? was nice. great you, wow. guess what an end to that season and uh sarah you came so close so did close. i <laughs> you really did one of the historic <laughs> choke jobs <laughs> <laughs> but enough about bob fossey <clears throat> oh beer all right guys that is it for another episode of extra <laughs> great what's happening <laughs> We belted out our opinions on Fosse Verdon before going around the dial, where Tara gave a postmortem on Killing Eve's second season opener. Adam sang the praises of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Sarah didn't forget to mention The Unforgotten. And Dave fought the good fight for Warrior. We inducted nothing into the extra hot great canon. <laughs> we crowned winners and losers of the week. And Adam swept the day and swept the season. He wins game time on behalf of Value Guests. New season starting soon. Remember. We're listening. I am David T. Cole, and on behalf of Tari Ariano, Bert, Sarah D. Bunting, Taco, and Adam Grossworth. Jazz. Thanks for listening. And what was that? Jazz. Jazz. Matanz. Thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs> and we'll see you next time right here on Extra.
You realize all at once you've allowed yourself to be entertained by a monster. Congratulations, Adam. Wow. Good job. Exciting. Thank you for being so kind with my under-the-buzzer answers. Yeah, I had it rigged. (laughs) I'm like the cigarette (laughs) smoking man. As long as I live, Sarah will not win. Sarah's got losing all wrapped up without your help. Trust me.